And now, an ad from Dad. <clears throat> All right, save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm a little excited, I think. Joined as always by my good friends. First up, it's Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? What's up, Aaron? Um, I'm here podcasting with you. Uh, I'm ready to to get this over with because I just bought Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I want to play it very much. (laughs) Wow. Okay. You're you're a big gamer. You're a big gamer, Aaron. Any thoughts on the Assassin's Creed series? Well, Assassin's Creed 1 is really my favorite. Okay. Bold. I thought thought number 2, it kind of went downhill, to be honest. Wow. Yeah, I really thought that they they didn't have the same um, vibrancy that they captured in the first game. Mm -hmm. And... uh, Based on what I've heard so far, I feel like three is really going to pick back up where one left off. (laughs) Okay. That's a bold take. I respect it. Thanks. Uh, I think Odyssey, the one that I just got, is probably like the 16th installment of the series. (laughs) So a uh, valiant effort at bullshitting your way through that. Yeah. Um, Good calls try there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So uh, also joined. My good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. I'm uh, doing all right. It's been a busy few weeks up in the compound. And, you know, now we are T minus eight days for double or nothing now. Or as we're recording, it's seen the minus eight days. So, yeah, uh, we have a show on our hands and it's kind of wild and definitely had my oh shit, oh shit, I'm going to Las Vegas next weekend thought passed through my head. But, you know, I'm doing all right. Uh, I have to ask you, Aaron, what was the last actual video game you've played? Um, when we were in Chicago for All In, AT and I played NBA Jam at an arcade, and he kicked my ass. That's right. That was um, the place across from Logan Square there. Yes. I can't remember the name of it. Very cool arcade. Yeah, I've been there a dozen times. I can't remember the name of it either. Yeah, he beat me very badly. The last game Emporium. that I played. Emporium. Emporium. That's right. There you go. The last game I played on a console, probably NBA Jam. Big NBA Jam guy. Fair it's enough. a fine, fine little game. Yeah. Yeah. I respect that. Yeah, I can't think of anything else I've played. Um, I guess Bang Dream doesn't count, right? Yeah, mobile games are kind of fake games. <laughs> wow. Strong take from Nate. Okay. Get through the plugs here. Make sure you're following us at everything AEW on Twitter. I expect that that will have some different content as like actual wrestling starts uh, with Double or Nothing on May 25. Follow us there. You can, of course, follow our personal accounts. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. Also, make sure you subscribe to the show. 
you can get us on our own personal feed on the podcast app of your choice, or you can subscribe to the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network and get us along with the many other great podcasts on the network. But most importantly, if you're listening on iTunes, make sure that you're going in rating and review and give us that five-star rating. Drop some nice words in there. We would appreciate it very much. Okay, as we get closer to Double or Nothing, we can kind of winnow down some of the topics that we're going to talk about. Uh, We are not going to do a preview this week. The preview is going to be on next week's episode. But this week, we're going to talk about the TV deal, the big news that came out this week. Took us a long time to get to the TV deal. You're just saying. Yes. Yeah. Very long time. Big news. Big story. Yeah, maybe I should have talked about it at the beginning. But AEW is going to be on Turner. We're going to talk about that on TNT. And they announced how streaming is going to be handled. So we're going to talk about all that. We got a couple of new matches for Double or Nothing. We're going to talk about those. We got some new talent, uh, referees, but new talent that we're going to talk about. And of course, Nate's going to break down BTE for us. So let's start with the TV deal. That's the biggest news. Uh, First thing that we saw was a press release that came out with AEW and TNT. They say they're going to be uh, beginning airing weekly matches later this year in primetime. And of course, we found out they're going to be streaming AEW events through their streaming channel or their streaming platform, BR Live, and on pay-per-view. I guess the interesting stuff that came out of this particular thing, the press release, uh, I loved that when they listed the talent, Hangman Page got mentioned before Chris Jericho, brought me some joy. And they're continuing to sell this idea that, uh, quote, AEW offers fans less scripted soapy drama and more athleticism and real sports analytics bringing a legitimacy to wrestling that it has not previously had. Heavy shots. They talk about introducing statistics, tracking wins and losses, analyzing moves, assessing damage to their opponents, real gamer hours on AEW. And uh, then they talked about how uh, BR Live is going to be the exclusive digital streaming partner in the United States for double or nothing, but that the live pre-show special, The Buy-In, will stream on Warner Media and AEW's social channels. So let's start there, Nate. Your reactions to just what we got out of the press release and the initial information. Um, so the first reaction is, you know, we were right all along, of course. So uh, we're great. We're the best. Uh, this podcast, number one. Um, and yeah, everything in the, the press release sounds pretty good. You know, they really are emphasizing and leaning on the sports idea and that it's not going to be soap opera, scripted, goofy skits and stuff that it's going to be presented as a sport, whatever that actually means. Um, The stuff about statistics makes sense with Tony Khan's whole uh, statistics background. That's an obvious thing you can put in front of, uh, you know, a television network or an advertiser or something and and sell to them and say, Hey, you know, we've got sabermetrics for wrestling over here. That's something new and something that, uh, you know, silly advertisers probably bite on. Um, so that's all, you know, in line with what we're expecting, I guess. Um, and yeah, even, you know, we got it down to the BR Live as the streaming partner for the pay-per-view is pretty much what we predicted last week. So no big surprises here. I guess the questions that remain are the questions that we had previously, which are how will the sports presentation manifest? How will the tracking wins and losses actually manifest in the content of the show? Are they going to have you know, weird 
pitch charts on the screen while you're watching? Or are they going to have, uh, you know, Nate Silver-esque probability, win probabilities coming up on the screen while you're watching? Or is it just going to be, you know, baked into the show like, uh, you know, any good professional wrestling does and talks about, you know, the people's prior records against each other and stuff like that? Yeah, th- my big question really do- deals with that is there's ways you can use sports information that isn't completely ridiculous. Like doing wrestler above replacement just seems like it. it's just like instead of having silly storylines, you're inventing them by making metrics in a lot of ways. But I think there's ways you can display it in a informational manner without coming off like absolute dorks like the there was an independent wrestling promotion in the northeast that tried to have a whole scoring rubric that people got points stock for not wearing gear like like you can't you can't lean into that kind of stuff where you get 10 points off your match because you wore basketball shorts but win streaks win streaks are a good thing to do if someone gets matches over like in under 10 minutes that's an interesting thing to know or we could see like people like saying oh this person has a better record against smaller wrestlers. This person has a better record against larger wrestlers. There's things like that that I think could be interesting from a sports side. But the overall press release, I felt like it was, as Nate said, things that we've been talking about all along to the point of BR Live being their streaming platform. So, you know, just coming from there and going to the upfront, I feel like that it was just kind of confirmation of what either like the worst kept secrets around wrestling were or just what some smart speculation could put together. Do you all make anything of the quote from the press release that they're going to begin airing quote weekly matches later this year? Do you think that means anything or it's just, Hey, this is wrestling. So we just want to make sure people know that's what we're going to be airing. No, I think that's what you put in a press release when you're uh, intending to communicate that to people outside of wrestling and like normal media outlets, probably. Uh, I mean, we'll get to Dave's reporting later, but he said, you know, it, we're talking about live TV, two hours, primetime weeknights. So I don't think that, you know, I think it's going to look like what we expect to, to our wrestling program to look like. Um, and that they said they're going to begin airing matches is not uh, notable to me, unless you think otherwise. I don't know. I just thought, I don't know. It just was weird wording, but you're right. It's probably weird just in that they want to communicate this to people who don't watch wrestling. They, I think they want to put it in front of normal media outlets and be like, you know, if this was a sports league, we would say we're going to start airing games. So, you know, matches the equivalent of games. They're not going to say like, oh, you know, this is wrestling. So there's going to be a two hour variety show with skits and promos and shit like they, I think they really want it to come off like uh, a, a sports presentation. Yeah. And also. Maybe this is something about how WWE has melted so many brains over a, a long time that we're not used to hearing the term wrestling matches when that's what they are. They're wrestling matches. I know that in other countries and other languages, they had different terms for it. But up until 2004, 2005, they were matches. They were championship belts. Like This is just like the standard parlance there. So I don't read too much into it, especially when we got more information coming out later that day. Yeah, and on that point, um, I got a big thrill out of the Variety article on the Upfront presentation here, uh, which had some quotes from Cody. And Cody just outright said that the WWE is not wrestling, which is like kind of um, kind of has a perception of being something that like a online smirk might say, 
is like, oh, that's not even wrestling, you know, that's that's sports entertainment, but it's also just entirely true. And it's uh, just cool and funny to see, you know, somebody who's been there and somebody who has gone out and worked the indies and seen actual wrestling and 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 can appreciate the difference and be like, oh yeah, no, it's they're they're not doing wrestling there. They're doing the Muppet Show about the McMahons. Yeah, then that's kind of what I was trying to pull out, which is like, are they trying to draw a distinction between variety show versus wrestling? And maybe not. Maybe I'm reading too much into that. But no, I read I, it I, as I, this is going to be a wrestling product. Yeah, I think well, that's certainly their intent that we see elsewhere. I don't know if that particular line was. All right. I wanted to start out with the press release just so we could talk about what we actually know. We know that this show is going to be on TNT weekly later this year in primetime and that the bigger events are going to stream on BR Live. That's all we know for sure. So now we can get into some of the speculation, some of the reporting from Dave Meltzer and others about uh, other things. So Dave reports that basically Tony Khan had been talking to uh, TNT and TBS for nearly a year, even going back before All In, which makes sense. Kind of goes back to what we've talked about on this show about how Tony Khan clearly knew that he wanted to get into the business, the wrestling business at this point because of lots of other factors, including rights fees, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. Uh, but the first actual serious negotiation started in mid-November. Uh, something that really helped All Elite apparently was that Khan promised a strong roster and then was able to sign every key person that he promised he was going to bring. So uh, Khan negotiated the deal along with Bernie Cahill who's the co-founder of Activist Artist Management, which Khan is a partner in. Uh, Dave also says it's going to be a two-hour show, as Nate mentioned earlier, either on Tuesday or Wednesday. We've heard Wednesday. International deals are not going to be locked in until the day of the week is decided, and it should be starting in the fall, uh, that is October. The Well, let's start there. Anything about that uh, two hours on probably Wednesday night, starting in the fall, anything about that uh, that's worth talking about further yeah i think that that kind of is the natural place two hours is one of the more ideal wrestling show lanes i mean i know dave Meltzer for decades it feels like he said 90 minutes but in realistic terms two hours on wednesdays about as strong of a placement as possible and i mean tony khan talked about being in negotiations and wanting to do this before all in during his Chris Van Vliet interview, especially talking about rights fees along with all of that. And he's someone that the more you kind of like look at where he is, he's someone that has like his fingers in a lot of pies. When you see that he was able to negotiate with his friend who is a business partner in another one of his projects. The thing that I thought think is kind of interesting, and this might just be happenstance is that, October is when the NBA really starts getting rolling before Christmas break and the, and the Christmas shows, but it's like kind of like the it's, I think it's starts then. So it will be a way that Turner is going to be able to launch both sports properties. And I have to imagine that there's going to be a lot of good synergy there. Hopefully I just, I just want, I just want Charles Barkley to talk about all elite wrestling. Like that's my big dream out of the Turner deal, other than the exposure of the money and all that. As I've said on the show, Nate has also said, I just want the starters to talk about AEW. I'm going to start writing the weekly emails, uh, trying to get them to talk about AEW. There you go. Personally. 
the other network they were negotiating with that Dave has kind of hinted at all this time uh, apparently was Showtime. I think that would have been a disaster to put this on uh, premium television like that. Uh, so I'm glad that did not come to pass. Would have been tough to, you know, hopefully reach a critical mass of awareness and fandom to be putting a lot of people into buildings when you're, you know, your only exposure is on Showtime. When you're on Turner and you've got, you know, cross-pollination with NBA programming or whatever, much easier to get, you know, casual people to to give it a try a couple times. So let's talk about... Oh, I had one thing about oh, go ahead, Mike. Showtime. Showtime being interested doesn't surprise me so much just because they have been really throwing money at properties for a while. I mean, they, from what I heard, basically brought dump trucks over of money to Desus and Marrow, and they've really tried to develop their weekday evening programming. So this would have been a fit there. And to my knowledge, Showtime, along with HBO, is mostly out of boxing. I think Showtime's only really affiliated with Floyd Mayweather at this point. So they had budgeting and they had the sports experience, but like you all said, it just would have been a terrible fit trying to do another premium network. Whereas, you know, through BR Live and TNT, that's a lot easier of a sell for fans. Would have been something cool to try if there wasn't a deal out there to be on actual TV. But since there was, you know, obviously it was a no-brainer to do this. So here's kind of what the speculation is about the actual deal. or I mean, there's some reporting on it. And this is a mixture of what uh, Dave is reporting. And this has also been reported by John McMullen, who bizarrely is an NFL writer for TSN, but has some uh, had some reporting on the deal here between AEW and TNT. Uh, and possibly because there are some similarities, although I blanch at that a little from Dave's reporting, uh, some similarities to Vince McMahon's XFL deal in the sense that there are no direct rights fees. So Turner is not writing a big check to AEW, but there are financial guarantees in the deal. Uh, and according to Dave, the financial value of the deal is incredible for a startup company. But So let's break down kind of how that's playing out. So the, the key, as Dave reported, is that Warner is paying for production. Dave says he doesn't know the value of that, but based on other deals that we've seen out there, you could easily expect that to be in the hundreds of thousands of dollars per show. Yeah, because this is Warner Media and not Turner Sports. They don't have the Turner Sports equipment. They don't have the broadcast cameras, which I feel like has become a trope on the show, me talking about how expensive sports broadcast cameras are. You're going to have to get the screens. I assume that they'll probably be able to use Turner satellite, whatever satellite they're using. But this is something that to do a startup like this, like I know that Comcast and NBC Universal would pay like a blank fee for like upgrades and stuff for WWE. But to get all this up front, this basically lets all elite focus on venue rentals and town costs. And of course, behind the scenes payments. So this is huge. Like the value of this could be honestly 20 to 30 million dollars a year just by that at least in year one over time, of course you had the same materials and you won't have to buy more, but yeah, I think that this is a good thing. And you know, this is, I mean, sure rights fees were like the, are like the term du jour, but this is an important thing for, for promotion or for production in my mind. Yeah. I, according to Dave, uh, this was shocking the most in the wrestling industry because in the modern era, very few wrestling deals actually paid for production. I think there was some reporting that 
uh, TNA was losing money in some of their deals that paid rights fees because of how much they had to pay for production. Once they started traveling with their weekly television show, that of course cost them a lot of money. So there's also an ad revenue split. I think this is important with a downside guarantee. So yes, part of the value of the deal is going to be based on the ads they can sell and how much of that is going to AEW. We don't know what the number is, but there is a guaranteed amount of money that AEW is going to get out of ads, period. So it's very similar to a, a rights fee. I mean, in a way, you know, it, there is a check that's coming at the end. So I think that's interesting and uh, makes this a pretty good deal. I mean, I didn't go back and listen to like what uh, I remember, Mike, that you and I especially kind of speculated on what the deal might look like as far as the, the value of the deal. And I don't remember that. I should have went back and listened to see what we said. But I can't imagine we thought it was going to be worth a whole lot more than the 20 or 30 million you were just talking about. Yeah. And this would also be in line with the quote unquote Dave Maltzer saying that this would be the second most valuable deal behind WWE's for any promotion. So, yeah. Yeah, still true. So a lot of people are dunking on Dave for that. And Dave, in fairness, did talk about rights fees, which are not being paid here. But it is still a pretty valuable deal. Yeah, I think um, Dave didn't really. I mean, we did the same thing. You know, we thought, hey, the whole appeal of of doing wrestling right now and doing live programming right now is, you know, networks out there out there are paying big money for getting this live programming on their their stations. That's going to uh, you know keep viewers. Um, and so you know they didn't deliver a big rights fee like that. And I thank God that we didn't listen back because I don't want to know what kind of number. I do remember you asking me what kind of number would be good. And I don't have any fucking idea what kind of number would be good. But um, Which yeah, I think I'm you sure said. I made, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I made some guess though. Um, but you know, uh, so here's my take on the ad revenue split, which is, and this is like totally taking the optimist view of this. Uh, this is good for the viewer to have an ad revenue split. We've seen what happens in the content era that we're in when uh, wrestling promotions in particular have guaranteed money is they do not really have an incentive to book matches or create a product that draws the viewer because they're getting the money week after week regardless. When you have an ad revenue split, the ratings are going to be what determines how much money they make and whether they're able to attract those advertisers based on having a big audience, which means that theoretically we're going to have a product that is geared toward attracting large numbers of viewers and of course wrestling is really you know it's a, it's a combat sport art but really it's an advertising art because what you're doing is you're you're selling the viewers on uh you know seeing the next thing paying their money and 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 coming to the show or, or paying for the pay-per-view so that's what you want to see in wrestling because you want to have engaging builds that uh you know part you from your money and get you to pull your wallet out so that's what we're you know hopefully going to see here is they're going to do big builds to drive the ad revenue and actually have like a pro wrestling product. What a novel idea. Isn't that all content though? Like, isn't all content advertising? Um, no. Like the reason that studios pay for movies is to sell you products. No, a, a, a movie ticket. Sure. No, to sell you products that, that come from the movie. No, I don't accept your premise. <laughs> Movies are primarily made to get you to buy the movie and watch the movie. Mm. I don't know that I agree with that. You're going to, okay, you sound crazy right now. I mean, think about like Avengers. Yeah. The point of Avengers is not to get you in the 
no, movie you're, theater. You're extremely, you're very wrong. Extremely wrong. No. Yeah, look at the fucking first week's box office. It was a billion dollars. Yes, but they will they will bring in more than that selling products. Sure. Yeah, they're going to make more money. Yeah, but they don't have a particularly appealing toy line. It's not like Star Wars. This okay. is not the star. I mean, Star Wars is the uh, you know the the touchstone here for George Lucas. You know, kept the merchandising rights and made a jillion dollars on that over sure. the years because the toys were so popular. That is not the main driver for the Avengers franchise. Okay. I mean, you know, now they've got all the 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 uh, brand equity where people are going to buy Avengers shit until the sun goes down. You know, in the next thirty years here. Um, but no, that's uh, the the main. You know, it's primarily a film going um product my take is all content is advertising yeah and y'all forgot about product placement inside of films whenever that's, yes, yes, yes. that's so minor it could not be more minor great he's drinking a coke and i will say i was watching bosch the other day and there's yes, bosch. just an extremely jarring scene where they show uh jay edgar go to ring the doorbell and it's one of these ridiculous amazon doorbells or something really fired me up i was like what the fuck why i don't why would you show him ringing that doorbell in like intense focus for 20 unnecessary seconds i got very mad i just got the ring doorbell okay i don't know my father-in-law bought it for us it's kind of cool you get like a video somebody is this like an amazon thingy i don't know if amazon maybe amazon does make it but somebody rings your doorbell you can like pull it up on your phone and see who it is Mm. Mm. Uh, but it's the worst part about it is on the app there's like you can be connected with everybody in your neighborhood that also has it. Jesus it's Christ. Just people posting like, oh, you know, oh, this black person walked by my house. You know, that's basically. Yeah, it's like next door, basically. Exactly. It's it's with, extremely with, next door with, with video. With a Kenny Johnson camera on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I live in a compound up in the mountains. I just. I'm going to join you soon. Yeah. We'll, okay, well, we'll, so, we'll go throw knives. It'll be fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm in favor. So I think that's interesting, though, Nate, what you're talking about before I took us far afield. They have to do a lot of TV viewers. They've got to do big reading. Mm-hmm. And they've got to grow it. Right. Now, Dave says, I'm not sure I buy this. Dave says 400 to 5,000, I'm sorry, 400 to 500,000 TV viewers would be considered a success. Now, first of all, that's a lot of people to watch the show. Yeah, but it's not that much at the same time. Well, I don't know because uh, somebody posted this and it was a chud, but I still think, and I didn't double check this, but I think the numbers were right. That TNT's ratings, even their like lowest rated shows were in the millions and the shows that were under a million all got canceled. So, I mean, it's, I just don't know how they're going to do that many, uh, that big of a rating. But I mean, the fact that they're expecting 400 to 500,000 when they've been canceling shows that do under a mil- million shows you that they're going to have at least a little bit of breathing room and knowing like the station average at being in the millions. I mean, that's very doable. And maybe I'm coming off like the apologist there, but I, th- I just have a feeling that I feel like that that's not outside of reasonable or very likely expectations. Yeah, I, I, I'm... I'm also skeptical that Dave's, you know, I, I don't know if he's sourcing that from someone or if it's his own estimate or guesstimate. Um, but yeah, I would think I, no, it's so hard to say really. 
I mean, I, I would think obviously their end goal is is above that. Obviously, their end goal is you know a million plus. I think that's a, a fair assumption. Um, but you know, if we look at what we think like New Japan and Ring of Honor do, I have to imagine that AEW being on Turner, having a Turner promotional machine behind it, and also just having a better reputation amongst wrestling fans, I think. Uh, I, I think that four hundred to five hundred thousand is, uh, is is a is a safe get for them, at least in the short term. Well, we know that Impact in its heyday was doing over a million weekly, right? Before yeah, every they, week was it was like a million, a million one, I think. Right before they started moving stations and whatnot and lost their audience. Now, I don't know what crossover there is between people who watch Impact and people who will watch AEW. But we do know that at some point that amount of people existed to watch a a third tier wrestling product. So I don't know. I, I just it makes me anxious. And uh, because I, I mean, regardless of anything else, I want this company to succeed just because I would like there to be some other American wrestling company. So it makes me anxious to think that they're going to have to pull in four to five hundred. Ultimately, they're going to have to pull in over a million viewers a week. Yeah. I, I think 400 to 500, that, that, that has to be doable. If it's not doable, then then what are we all doing? Yeah, I guess that's fair. I mean, and what Mike said earlier, I think is a really good point. If they start this around the NBA season, they can, I guess AEW would have to, well, I guess it's just going to be synergy. Like you said, you can't really have it as a lead in because they're probably going to do it on a different night. The time really doesn't work out between a two hour wrestling show and a two and a half hour NBA game. But Hopefully they're going to do a ton of cross promotion uh, to try to get people excited. I just, uh, as we see WWE's ratings cratering, I just worry people who stop watching wrestling, will they come back? So on that, uh, this is absolutely anecdotal, but since the rap report from last week came out and said, oh yeah, it's going to be at Turner Upfronts. You know, we're confirming that now. Our our friend, friend of the show, and friend of the elite in the office, John Maglio. Um, they Tony, uh, Tony, Tony Maglio. Maglio. Damn it! <laughs> I, was, I was hyped to get that the Maglio right off the top. I um, I really think there's. I have noticed just in like the discourse. I mean, not on Twitter because that's like just a cesspool of negativity and people out of their minds. But like on the forums or on um even reddit which is like famously wwe centric and doesn't care about anything else there's a real sense of positivity of oh i'm excited for this it gives me the wcw nitro vibes um uh, people like sharing their entire wrestling fandom history and being like i started watching here this is what was my favorite thing and then you know this other thing drove me away and now we've got the wwe where it is which like even wwe fans largely do not like uh, as evidenced by the ratings. Uh, and I really think there's a pretty good amount of momentum of people saying, I'm going to give this a shot and and I'm hoping for it to be good because I want some wrestling in my life that's going to be positive and, and present an alternative. Um, that's the sense I get from the discourse, whether that's, we just don't know how many people that is really. Uh, you know, there's not that many hardcore wrestling fans online. There are a lot of them, but there's not that many. Um, so whether that translates over into the normies who like channel flip and do weird things like that, uh, remains to be seen, but you know, they're certainly, they're certainly cribbing the WC nitro aesthetic with the flames and the Turner and everything else. So if they can just 
you know, grab some segment of those lapsed fans and pull them back in. They, you know, I, I, I see the, I see the path to victory for them, whether they can do it or not, you know, whether the, whether the pieces fall where there's enough people out there to be interested in new wrestling, uh, we don't know, but I, I, you know, I see the angle they're taking and how it could come together. Here's my take. And it completely contradicts what I just said a minute ago. <laughs> AEW on TNT is going to bring in the new boom period. People have been saying this, but here's my, here's why I say that wrestling is cool again for the first time since like the attitude era. It's cool. It's hot. You know, New Japan is selling. Uh, New Japan Ring of Honor selling out Madison Square Garden. AEW is having uh, a lot of success selling out arenas. Kylie Jenner is wearing NWO shirts. It's hot. But there's nowhere for that energy to go in the United States. It's not going to go to Ring of Honor because it's on this crappy uh, local or regional television, right? It can't really go to New Japan because there's still a little bit of a barrier there. Once this exists, that energy can just flow right into it. And I think there's a real possibility that this just absolutely blows up. And it can't cross back into normie culture the way that wrestling did in the 90s. Because Well, there is, there is no normie culture like that anymore, regardless. Like, right. We're past that as a society. <laughs> Yeah, and there's too much content, right? There's there's just too much stuff going on. So there's yeah. never going to be those type of audiences again. But to the extent that there can, whatever a boom period looks like in 2019, I think this could be the vehicle for it. Sure. Great, thanks. You really sold that take. Well, I, I mean, I think that's certainly their hope. And you can see how things would play out that way. Um but yeah, we just don't really know the potential market of people that are willing to give wrestling a shot and see if this is actually going to be good. We don't know how, how large that is in 2019. Like, like you said, with so many other things competing for people's time, um, just, just, uh, we don't know it yet. Well, it's like people say though about WWE, imagine you kind of get a, I don't know, you get a feeling you're like, you know, maybe I'm going to check wrestling out again. I haven't watched in years or, Maybe I've never watched wrestling, but it kind of sounds interesting. And you turn on Raw, and it's it's just impossible to grasp. It's just this completely inaccessible product that's completely self-contained. So hopefully that same kind of feeling can be uh, brought into uh, people, but instead they're going to turn on AEW, and hopefully it'll be a product that is uh, accessible to not just people like us, but to uh, everybody else. Yeah, I think that's the hope. Yeah, I mean, it's. I I feel like that Turner is providing the exact right possibility for this thing to grow. It's just time to see if some of the decisions they make in the meantime are going to equal to have being put on the best foot forward coming towards October. Yeah, so let's contradict my own take. Yeah, <laughs> let, 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 let's get into the thing that really sucks. Yeah. Okay. So streaming is going to be on BR Live. Oh, well, let me, uh, I wanted to make one more point. Sorry. Sure. Um, Lauderdale made a tweet about this and he's right. Two hour wrestling television is also hard, just hard to do. Like the, they let the genie out of the bottle during the Monday night wars with giving away big matches between big stars on your wrestling television. 
And that's the expectation. Um, and it, it's hard to produce that week after week and still create a compelling wins and losses matter wrestling program, I think. Um, so, yeah, go on about, you know, uh, audience expectations. Well, they've got to train the, a new audience. They have to start from week one doing what they're going to do. And they can't yeah. play into what exactly what you're talking about. They can't have Kenny Omega versus Jericho on TV. They just can't. Right. Yeah. I mean, unless you, you know, obviously you can build up to it once in a while, but you can't do, you know, Goldberg versus Hulk Hogan on TV. Just uh, can't do it anymore. So we'll see how they try to play that. Two hours, just a lot of time to fill. And I, I, I know Nate, I feel this way. I know Nate's got to be feeling this way. Cannot be excited about watching two hours. <laughs> I mean, I'll, you know, it'll be something that I'll probably have on the background while I do three other things, you know, just because that's, that's, you know, we got, people have stuff to do every night. So um, yeah. that'll be, and you know, that, that that's also not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but yeah, it, it's honestly like 90 minutes and then like a 30 minute studio show would be great. Cause I think they have the uh, potential to do like really great studio segments and, and stuff like that. Um, which, which would be does well with NBA debatable, but yeah, it would, and it would certainly distinguish them. Well, for their audience, they do well with that format. Yeah. So I think that's something maybe they could draw on. We'll see, but here's a bad step that they've taken that makes me uh, a little bearish on how they're going to build this TV audience. So we know the streaming is going to be on VR live, which is Warner's uh, over the top service. Usually a little different than other subscription services in that they kind of offer a product and you pay for it a la carte. It's not really like you subscribe to BR live and you get all the, everything they have to offer. So for example, they did the tiger Phil uh, golf match. Is that what they're called? Golf matches? Yeah, it was the uh, match game between the two of them. Right. 1999. But it turned out to be a bust. They had to refund everybody's money. And I think they ended up streaming it for free, right? At, at some point, you could just blow yeah. it and watch Yeah, it. they turned off the uh, block restriction. I think they just outright streamed it on bleacherreport.com. But yeah, right. it, it's an a la carte service. I think like we've talked a little bit about on the show. What they do is like basically passes. And they've done this before with like Tiger for Tiger and Phil, but it's also the current home for streaming in North America for Champions League and Europa League and World Arm Wrestling Federation, which I didn't know existed up until this week. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and the, the soccer pass, at least the one I looked at, was $9.99 a month, $79.99 a year, or $2.99 a match. So pretty reasonable IMO. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not a soccer fan. I have no idea what that includes, but... It sounds about like what you would expect. From what I understand, that's pretty reasonable. Most of the soccer I track, I can't. I get either through ESPN Plus or I just see the scores in YouTube afterwards. But two ninety nine right. a match seems inherently reasonable. But what they're doing doesn't seem very reasonable to me at all. Yeah. So here's what we know about uh, Double or Nothing, which is going to be the first AEW event to stream on BR Live. And the only way we know this is from a tweet in response to uh, from the br live customer service account actually uh cody's video he put out today mentioned br live sure but he didn't say the price did he no i don't remember him saying the price uh, nate no. do you remember that okay yeah but yeah. anyway sorry i didn't mean to derail you that's fine so the only mention of the price is from this customer service account reply on twitter they said that double or nothing is going to cost 49.99 
My take, my column. <laughs> Out of this world, dumb, stupid, dumbest shit I could possibly think of. I thought all along they would do this kind of pass thing. Here's 20 bucks a month, whatever you want to charge a year, and you're going to get all the AEW events. I thought 20 to 25 bucks if you just wanted to buy this one event. But 50 bucks? Who's Who on earth is going to pay 50 bucks to watch this show? Yeah, it's uh, again, this is the WWE let the genie out of the bottle. They poisoned the well. The entire wrestling buying landscape has now been trained to believe that, you know, you pay $10 and you get every show under the sun. Um, you know, if you're a real hardcore and are trying to support an up and coming product or whatever, then maybe you say, okay, I'll pay $25 to watch the GCW stream this weekend or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, nobody uh, that consumes wrestling now uh, is in the habit of paying $50 for a single wrestling event. So that's what they're contending with here. Um, you know, uh, from their perspective, I, I'm sure they would like it to go back to the time when people would pay $50 for a single wrestling event. Uh, but you know, that's just, just not what the market reflects right now. So, you know, uh, I was talking about, I just bought Assassin's Creed game. That's like an 80 hour game. I, I paid 20 bucks for it. So, uh, $50 is just a lot of money for content. Now, Netflix, $10, you know, Hulu, $10, Spotify, $10, one zillion hours of content, indistinguishable, but you get it for $10. Yeah. And on top of that. The only people that charge the, this price now for pay-per-view is boxing. And that's a twice-a-year thing that happens on May 5th or weekend around May 5th, and then around September 15th for Mexican Independence Day. Those are two event-a-year shows. And when talking to people, because like my, I'll talk to my friends about wrestling, and they're very toe-in-the-water or disenfranchised wrestling fans that WWE over the last five years have completely run off. They were like, oh, Mike, $50? No, no way. And then I started asking them, what about if it was $25? What about if it was $20, $15? And the only thing you're going to get with a $49.99 price is you're going to get the people who are committed to do this and are set on this already. And who's to say that a lot of those people that would pay $49.99 aren't already going to Vegas to begin with? So there's that aspect as well. There's going to be people who just don't buy things regardless. Like, let's be real here. There's people who are just going to pirate and they have their reasons, they have their financial reasons, or they have their personal reasons for it. You're never going to get those. But the thing is, is that if you had some sort of sliding scale, it would have, you would have been able to get at least some spur of the moment purchases or people who are value purchasing. And now they've completely eliminated that. Now there is the rumor that this is because of the pay-per-view networks that are airing this it should be stated and i don't think we mentioned it it is going to be on terrestrial cable and it's going to be 49.99 on terrestrial cable but the thing is there that if there was some sort of favored nations clause roh completely has thrown it to the wind with a favored nations clause with honor club wwe was the first people to take the nation favored nations claw out back and put it down when they started the network and said hey on their tv they said hey how dumb are you for paying full price for this when you pay 9.99 here so this is a complete misstep, and especially for the idea that in the long run, they are hoping that BR Live works, but TV rights are going to be what props these things up, at least for the first contract. Terrible move. And I did. there's no way you could redeem it other than people saying, oh, just whatever, It's a, it, you're paying $50, I'm used to paying $50, this kind of stuff. 
Because no, that doesn't happen anymore. WWE killed that concept. Yeah, and anyone comparing this to boxing, or I think UFC also charges similar prices. Uh, I don't know how much it's changed since they've gone to ESPN Plus, but I believe they true. Yeah. I don't know. But anybody comparing this to those, I just I think you're lost, to be fair, uh, because this is not the same group of people. The people who are watching, I mean, mostly people are watching boxing pay-per-views. I don't think any of them are buying AEW. People are watching UFC. Maybe there's a little bit of crossover, but still in your brain, there's a difference between this is what I pay for combat sports. And this is what I'm expected to pay for pro wrestling. And like Nate and Mike both said, that is just, it's over. The $50 pay-per-view thing is over. So my real concern here is this is a brand new company. They need to build a huge audience, not just to get 400 to 500,000 people watching their TV show, but to fill arenas every week when they're uh, going around filming this TV. You know, you can't have 50 people showing up and expecting that to be a hot product that people are watching on TV and paying money to go see. So I just think it's a huge misstep to not make this very accessible. Yes, I know 400,000 people are not buying this pay-per-view at any price. I get that. If it's free, 400,000 people probably aren't tuning in to watch this because they don't know about it yet. But you have to build up committed, uh, hardcore fans. You have to convert people into big fans of AEW so that they will show up to watch the TV. You need to build a base because... If you've built up 100,000 people from your different uh, your different shows between now and October and you and you find 400,000 people to watch the show, you've got 500,000 people. I mean, you know, you just you got to build up a base, build up this audience. And maybe most importantly, you got to build up goodwill with your fans. This is a product at this point, I think, that are mostly seen by not, uh, you know, completely off the rocker people. As the good guys in wrestling, at least, right? Like <laughs> you compare them to Vince McMahon and WWE, these are the good guys, right? And uh, I think when you see them throwing out 50 bucks for uh, a regular ass pay per view, uh, that really hurts that. It hurts their. Yeah, so I'll, I'll pick that up. Um, it also goes contrary to what they've explicitly tried to do with these double or nothing events and the all in events, is they were saying, oh, we're, we want to fill the place. We want people to be able to buy a ticket. We're going to price our tickets at $25 or whatever it is. Uh, I don't remember what the all-in pay-per-view price was, maybe because it was also on Honor Club and New Japan World after the fact. Um, but they did, you know, they made a concerted effort and a stated effort to price things reasonably because they wanted to get people in the door. Um, so yeah, this does also run contrary to that. I have to think the thinking is you know, if it's not just a contractual impossibility and if it's not just totally out of their hands, then the thinking would must be, you know, we're going to present this as a sport. So we should, you know, the, the comparison there to make is to combat sports. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree that that would be a mistaken thing to make. Um, I will because we didn't have this in the rundown. Uh, I also want to do a quick tangent to the UK plan. Um, it seems more and more likely that they are going to be on ITV4 in the UK, UK, uh, you know, going forward and not just for um, the, the, the 
double or nothing pre-show and then the ITV box office for the pay-per-view. Um, and, you know, Dave made the point, Tony Khan lives in London a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, obviously has some familiarity, familiarity, not only with the media world there, but, you know, they've got Kip Sabian on the roster you know, they're bringing in Sadie Gibbs. Like they're going to have British wrestling there or British wrestlers there or UK wrestlers. I don't I guess know that they're both British. Um, and today it was announced that WWE's new deal for whatever their TV is, is with, I think, BT, I mean, I don't know the station, so with BT Sport, which from the reaction is a significant upgrade for people that were already watching it on Sky Sports. It's like they're, they're, they would have to pay another $30 a month or 30 pounds a month to get that added to their channel lineup. Um, they are in the, AEW is in the driver's seat in the UK right now. The ITV has considerably more clearance than the WWE will there. Um, so uh, I think that's sort of a, uh, area that they are likely to be focusing on. Um, and you know, the, there was that weird point in time where TNA was like more popular in the UK than it was here because TNA had better TV in the UK than the WWE did for just whatever bizarre reason. Um, so, you know, that, that, that certainly looks like an opportunity for AEW to, you know, become basically an honorary Brit rest promotion. Dave also added that. They're probably going to do pay-per-views from the UK because they would want to give, you know, those UK media companies some primetime programming. So that'll be uh, really interesting to see because, you know, obviously it wouldn't then be primetime here, but they're going to have a leg up on that UK market, which, you know, despite, again, the WWE's best effort to kill it with NXT UK uh, was like a very much growing and hot market for the last few years. Yeah, I agree with all that. Yeah, it looks like that's a big downgrade for WWE. And it, it, that does what you were just talking about brings back that when that first report that came out about where all their shows were going to be, these monthly shows, there was one mention for London. So it kind of brings that back. And we were kind of skeptical of it at the time, but it does make sense. All right, let's move on to uh, some new matches that were announced for Double or Nothing. I hope these are the final two matches that are announced. I, I like matches. Sure. That's it's not just, true. I lied. I lied. I don't. You don't. You hate matches. But the, the <laughs> card is filling up. We're up to, if you count the two pre-show matches, we're up to 10 matches on this show. So that's enough, I think. That's a, that's a good amount. Sure. So the first one is the best friends have gotten their wish, which we'll talk about more in the BTE recap. And they will be taking on Angelico and Jack Evans in a straight-up tag team match. Yeah, this is... Yeah, this is fun. I like this match a lot. I think that Angelico is better in a tag team context. And best friends in that Battle Royal just, you know, it was good to get them out of that and get more people opportunities in the Battle Royal. So, yeah, good match. Excited. Yeah, I saw um, some complaints that the best friends wanted out of the Battle Royal because the Battle Royal is now for a world title shot, and it doesn't make sense to, for them to give up that opportunity. Um, that does... Like that's a logical uh, conclusion to reach, but it does seem to me that this promotion is trying to more clearly delineate the tag division from the singles division. So, you know, when they talk about Phoenix and Pentagon, who are both great singles wrestlers, they're pretty much always mentioned in a tag team context in this promotion. Um, and that's also what we're seeing with best friends and, uh, you know, private party and, uh, everybody else. So I, I, I would hope that their justification for something like that is the best friends want the tag team gold. They're not accepting the premise that the world 
title is the most prestigious title. They are an established tag team. They want to be, you know, instead the first tag team champions or something like that. Um, and, you know, I think that clear delineation is uh, a smart thing to do. That That's another thing that would distinguish this promotion from the competition. And just to be clear, we'll do a, a more in-depth preview of all the matches next week on our episode right before Double or Nothing. But we did want to talk about these since they're new. The other announced match, a, a Joshi match. We're getting Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura versus Hikaru Shida, Riho Abe, or just Riho, and Ryo Mizunami. So, well, first of all, let's just talk about the match generally. I do have some some notes on each of the wrestlers in case you're not familiar with them. Uh, but generally, I'm pumped about this. I think there was some reporting from Dave that they look at this, AEW looks at this as their version of like the uh, the cruiserweights, bringing in the the Mexican wrestlers and uh, some Japanese wrestlers to, to Nitro back in the day. And their way to kind of just stand out with a completely different style, which I'm fully on board with. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I only know um, half, no, three fourths, whatever of this match. Um, but I think very cool to see even more, uh, you know, heralded Joshi names added to this card. Interesting to see who is making regular appearances going forward. Um, but yeah, like I just said about the tag division, always good to have something that distinguishes your promotion, and you can. Uh, you know, draw attention to as, hey, this is a hallmark feature of our promotion that you're not going elsewhere. And uh, obviously, we all uh, think Joshi is pretty cool. So uh, I think that's a cool thing to be added. Yeah. And as the Joshi newbie here, I'm kind of excited because, I mean, you, Aja Kong, I mean, there's not much that needs to be said about saying Aja Kong, but like seeing these people that I, other than having fan awareness of, I think like introducing this to a new audience, like especially going with like, what Dave said about the cruiserweight division. I think this is very smart. And I feel like that this is also a pool of wrestlers that aren't as uh, uh, tapped, I guess is for lack of better words, than you know, other for other kinds of wrestlers, because the other than, uh, other than Io Shirai and Kairi Hojo, not very many Joshi have come over to the United States over the last decade and have ended up in wwe so there's a lot of possibility here and this is obviously a match that i feel like has kenny omega's hand fingerprints all over uh, all over it so i'm interested to see like through his connections because i knew he had a connection with with rio and with hikaru shida and emi sakura to see what what also things could come of this like we might just be getting different different joshi for different shows i know that rio was the one that had the f5 uh the five match tryout contract, I guess, or she's going to just decide for five matches. So this is really cool. I think. Very, uh, very funny that you just, uh, and not a criticism of you, a criticism of, you know, the other promotion. You just forgot Asuka entirely. Forgot she existed. <laughs> oh gosh, I did. Yeah. yeah. I forgot about Asuka. Yeah. No. Don't blame you. Yeah. I, I haven't watched WWE live TV for the last three years. So yeah. Yeah. I think because of the Kenny thing, you can expect this to get time and to uh, be able to shine. So I'm excited about that. I do want to uh, talk about some of these wrestlers quickly. Uh, even though Mike calls himself the Joshi newbie, uh, I do like Joshi a lot, but there's still a lot I don't know about it and a lot of promotions that I don't follow. So, right. We're the, we're, he's the newbie. We're the normies because we follow like stardom and that's you know only right. so many hours in the day. Yes. Follow stardom the most. I follow Sendai Girls probably the second most and then Tokyo Joshi Pro. So a little bit. But there's a lot more out there. So Aja Kong, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on. I think 
if you're listening to this, you probably know who Aja Kong is. Uh, if not, she's just kind of a legend from uh, All Japan Women's and, you know, did some time in WWF. You probably saw her there. So she rules. I don't know what to tell you about that. Yuka Sakazaki is, uh, and we talked about Yuka Sakazaki and Hikaru Shida previously on the show. So I'm not going to talk as much about them. Yuka is in Tokyo Joshi Pro. You can see a lot of her stuff there. Mostly, well, she is featured a lot in tag teams, but very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Hikaru Shida, who we talked about just recently on an episode. Uh, I see her a lot in Sendai Girls. She's excellent. Somebody who I think could really, well, who I expect to be a focus because she's actually signing with AEW, uh, apparently speaks English pretty well, and uh, is great in the ring. So I, I think she might be a nerd. She might be a nerd? Oh, she's she absolutely a nerd. A nerd. She, there was, yeah. she put up a video of her in a Marvel shirt just stacking Funko Pops. <laughs> It did was you see the Captain one. America drawing she did? No, no, I didn't. I saw the the Final Fantasy VII piano uh, performance. I did not see the Captain America drawing. Yeah, yeah. So on her Instagram, she I followed her after she signed to AEW, and she she draws. It's like on an iPad or something. Some sort of it's like a, a digital drawing, mm-hmm. uh, but with a, a pen, or, you know, a pencil or whatever. Uh, but yeah, so she just posted like the progress over like three photos. And uh, nice drawing of Captain America. Multi-talented. Yeah, she's great. So here are the, the lesser-known Joshis that are going to be in this match. Start with Emi Sakura, who's going to be teaming with Aja Kong and Yuka Sakazaki. Sakura, uh, and I should say, these notes I got directly from uh, Derek Tillotson, a.k.a. Private Eyeball, on Twitter. Check him out. He knows a lot more about Joshi than I do and was uh, very helpful to me in giving me some notes that I could pass along about these three wrestlers. So Emi Sakura founded Ice Ribbon, and then she left there and founded Gato Move. So a lot of the, uh, or two of the big Joshi indies, basically, she is uh, involved in. She trained Hikaru Shida and Riho. So two of the wrestlers in this match that she's not teaming with, she trained. And uh, basically, if someone has come out of either Ice Ribbon or Gato Move, she probably, Emi Sakura probably had something to do with training them. Uh, she... Is a big chopper, uh, very good at striking, and doesn't have any serious weaknesses. And apparently, uh, Derek wanted me to make sure to tell you that she has a series of Instagram posts where she takes chops from other pro wrestlers. So check that out in your spare time. I'm going to have to now that I now that I know this. Rio Mizunami. She debuted in Gaia and then followed Mako Satomura to Sendai Girls. Ended up in Wave, uh, big Lariatter and Chop Chopper. Chopper is that a thing? It is now. Okay, it's the thing. The take uh, chopper. <laughs> Derek compared her to a female Satoshi Kojima, except cooler, which I have to uh, take offense at because I think Satoshi Kojima is pretty cool. It's like That's dad, really like dad cool. I'm, he's like, like dad. genuinely cool. Yeah, he's like if he would be a cool dad. Hey, he loves bread, which makes him a friend of mine. That's <laughs> a, you know perfectly normal thing to love and get fired up about. Doesn't actually make you cool. I mean, it's the little things, Nate. It's the little things that have you grasp onto a wrestler and make you a fan. Sure. Yeah, very, sure. very fine Twitter gimmick. I'm just saying, you know, he's not Sonata. Oh, God. You're right, because his matches don't put everyone to sleep. They're actually interesting. So, lastly, Riho, who will be teaming with Hikaru Shida and Ryo Mizunami, a 13-year veteran. Also, she's 21 years old. Joshi, what a world it is over there. That's uh, even for someone who watches a lot of lucha like I do, that's remarkable. Yeah, started at eight apparently. So, uh, but a vet. 
Uh, started out in Ice Ribbon, went to Gato Move with Emi Sakura. I just love thinking about the people who listen to this who know nothing about Joshi. And they're like, what are you, what could you possibly be talking about? Uh, so she was still in Gato Move before this whole thing where she's going to be at least trying out coming to AEW. Uh, Derek reports that she's very well-rounded, good technical wrestler, good high-speed wrestler, does comedy well. Uh, hasn't done a lot outside of Asia, but he's high on her prospects. So sounds like we get six people who are who are really good. I mean, there's no reason as long as they give this time that this shouldn't kill. Yeah, that's the hope. Um, I, I, you know, I always like seeing new people. So and yeah. especially when you have people that are this well regarded, uh, you try to manage expectations and not like, you know, assume a, um, you know, someone like Amy Sakura, who's been in the business forever, you know, you sort of have to be like, okay, you know, we're looking at a uh, equivalent of a third gen wrestler or something maybe where, you know, they're not going full speed like Hazuki or whatever. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly interested to see this. And I, I saw Aja Kong at uh, Shimmer and, you know, she was braining people with her box and it was just fantastic. Um, so yeah, I, I hope this, you know, they fucking tear it up. I hope the crowd is receptive and, uh, you know, gives them the time to, to get into it and uh, have to have to imagine if anybody can do it, this collection of women can do it. All right. Last note before we get into BTE, lots of refs announced. This, they've saved the refs for last, it appears. And so the refs, uh, we've talked about Rick Knox before and Bryce Rimsburg before, although Rick Knox's signing was kind of formalized on this episode of BTE. But we also found out that Earl Hebner, Paul Turner, and Aubrey Edwards, also known as Girl Hebner, are going to be joining AEW. So a nice little nice little group of refs. Yeah, again, this is like you, uh, you know, if you have got, managed to get yourself over somewhere, then AEW probably has, you know, put their eyes on you at some point. I guess that's like the the Meltzer uh, axiom where the best predictor for ability to get over is actually getting over. Um, so they seem to have used that, uh, that methodology to get their refs. Um, the... Well, we'll talk about that in the BTE section. Um, Earl Hebner saw him at Joe Janela Spring Break, saw him at AAW uh, at all in the weekend. Uh, don't know how many matches or years he has in him getting up and down to make the counts and stuff. You know, he's in his 70s. Um, you know, doesn't mean he can't be like maybe a senior official and maybe he's the, you know, rarely seen authority figure that comes out to overturn something or, or you know, do an angle on a match or something like that. Um, but you know, hopefully not a distraction. Uh, you know, hopefully we're not talking about the JR of referees. Paul Turner, I think is interesting too, because it seems like there's quite a bit of people related to ring of honor who are joining all elite wrestling. Yeah. And Paul Turner, at least out of the ring of honor referees, he was always very good at not being obvious in the ring. And especially when you have someone like Earl Hebner, as a part of the roster and then Rick Knox and Bryce Rosenberg, like having a, a, just like a straight referee and not necessarily someone that's going to be doing any hijinks, I think is really strong. So interesting pickup there. And I wonder if we'll hear about any more interesting ROH pickups in the weeks to come. I wonder if that will happen. Uh, I so, will say, before yeah. we get into BT, I'm sorry, Nate, that I, I looked it up that all in was thirty nine ninety nine. So, Ten dollars, ten dollar difference. But a, a significant, uh, ten, you know, ten dollars that makes all the difference, really. Absolutely, and it was available on Honor Club and New Japan World. Right. So Honor Club ten was bucks. you know ten bucks. So, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, on saving, you know, the refs for last, we do know there is yet to be announced or revealed talent still. Um, there was a guy, a, a guy who does music for Impact uh, tweeted that he was making a theme song for a top secret wrestler, a wrestler not yet revealed, but uh, expected to be on TNT regularly. Uh, that his name is Nick Diener. If you're looking, um, he also, you know, uh, did an Instagram of his new theme for Jordan Grace, but that was tagged Impact. So my expectation is not that it's Jordan Grace. Um, but yeah, you know, there, there's they're putting together the music teams now. We hear they got the uh, music guy from Rev Pro is involved. Um, so you know, these pieces are all coming together, and and we know that some of them are working on stuff for wrestlers that have not yet been announced or revealed. So. I'm guessing we'll see some surprise names in the battle royal. Uh, yeah, I think we have to uh, if we did the math correctly last time. Um, right. But yeah, hopefully, you know, some real wild cards would be fun, not just like, uh, you know, Billy and Austin Gunn or whatever. I'm still holding out hope for Jordan Grace. I, yeah, I'm we all like Jordan. The actual thing is, seems to be committed to Impact, um, and we yeah. don't think there's a relationship there at this time. But she was great in the first battle royal. It really would make sense. Uh, I don't know. I would just like to see her. That's all. All right. I think that's everything uh, other than talking about BTE, Nate. So let's hear it. All right. BTE. I again forgot to put the episode name here. So Tag team action. Work out of me. Tag team action. Um, we start off uh, with the Bucks who are outside um, a venue or something, and they are shushing the librarian, pretty Peter Avalon. Uh, you know, they're shushing him in like a positive, encouraging way, of course, because he is a librarian, but Peter is confused about this. He's confused because there are two librarians. Of course, the other librarian, the Cody and Kenny backed librarian uh, is Leva Bates. Uh, so Peter is upset about this. He, he wants to release. Um, and here's they start ribbing the WWE for refusing to grant releases. Um, they, the Bucks say that, no, you're in captivity. You know, we're going to treat you poorly. We're going to send you home and make you collect paychecks instead of giving you the release that you want. Um, they're threatening him to, yo, we'll give you some rest time and you'll have to go, you know, have some children because you don't have any children. Uh, and then, you know, finally they say, oh, we'll, we'll double your, double your salary uh, if you won't leave. Um, he takes them up on that immediately. Uh, and he says he's going to be the best damn librarian that they've got. Uh, this was a genuinely funny segment. This is like the platonic ideal of pro wrestling humor where it's like, oh, you know, you break the fourth wall a little bit and you reference something from the other company and get a good dig in and people go wild for it. And that's exactly what this was. Yeah. This segment ruled. I, I think Peter Avalon is a good character to have around the promotion. If only just for like these kind of segments, because he did a great job selling the bucks comedy. And I thought this overall episode was pretty funny too. All right. We go to MJF who puts the camera on a sign that says hip toss Creek. And then we uh, swing the camera around and see that this is, Cody's pool or Cody and Brandy's pool at their, uh, to this point, unfurnished home. Um, so they, they did manage to get a sign up for the pool. Um, <laughs> MJF calls him the roller coaster, I believe, which is just like a good bro-y nickname. Uh, so the roller coaster does his moonsault into the pool. MJF gives it a perfect 10. They actually pull out a sign with a 10 written on it as though it were the dunk contest. And MJF yells, fuck you, Sean Spears. There's another uh, dig at the Perfect 10, Ty Dillinger, although we think he's friends with Cody. Also haven't really heard anything about him, but uh, now he is back in sort of the Cody versus Cannon. 
You could see him being in the battle royal. They could do the ten thing. Oh, the ten thing. Okay. Yeah. I mean, except they're not doing like a a ten, you know, like uh, independent oh. entrances. Yeah, we don't. Well, we yeah, we don't know exactly how it'll be presented, but there, could be people are coming person, in, right? Because there's people are coming be in in groups of five, four four groups of five. Yeah. So he could come out as the tenth person, maybe. Yeah. It is worth noting that he does have his upcoming events listed and nothing for the 25th. And he is doing a bunch of Cody adjacent promotions. He is doing bar wrestling in, in June. He is also going to E3. So that's a nice little touch for gamers. <laughs> um, you know, so here's, here's my idea. Um, oh, shit, I guess you get to that. Okay, first person is, you know, they, they draw clubs first. So you get the ace of clubs, the two of clubs, the three of clubs the four of clubs, the five of clubs. Then maybe the next one's diamonds and you get six, seven, eight, nine to count the entrance. So then you could be like the, the 10 of diamonds or whatever. That makes sense. Yeah, that would work. Okay. Um, Brandon Cutler now, he's with the Bucks and they are giving him the actual card to draw for his spot in the Casino Battle Royale. Uh, they should have had Jarek doing this because Jarek is obviously graded up close and YouTube magic tricks, um, but no such luck. Friend of the show, Jarek. Um, so Matt says, you know, if you draw the Joker and you're the 21st, uh, guy in this battle Royale, it's going to be just a huge disappointment to the entire wrestling industry. Uh, Brandon is like, oh, you asshole. Uh, very funny, like genuine banter there. Um, but again, they're all, you know, again, leaning on the idea that, Hey, you know, there must be somebody big number 21 Joker. Um, cause they're building it up here again. Uh, they do a curious thing where the camera pans around and they're talking to each other. Matt makes a joke. Hey, if you draw the Joker, we're gonna have to redo the entire scene. Uh, and they just like show the back of this like back lot where they're standing, and then there's like a car park there, but it's not clear if it was meant to show anything at all. Yeah, I, I like the chemistry that the three have, along with like Peter Avalon. This was fun. Yeah, you can tell they're genuine friends. All right, now we get the uh, the Angelico and Jack Eggman's signing segment that was released on YouTube uh, last week. Uh, they plug in some AAA highlights after the. After that video package, um, there's Jack just like kisses a girl on the mouth here. <laughs> um, uh, and I really hope with like for Jack Evans music, they don't do an original theme. They just have his like god awful mashup of Eminem and Skrillex that he uses on the indies. It's just like a bad high school dance team would do that. And he just does it for a dance music and it makes me laugh every time. All right. Now we've got uh, the Bucks who say they've dropped by bar wrestling because there was a ring set up. They wanted to do some rolls and get in ring shape. But, you know, between us, between them and the camera, uh, they're actually there to sign somebody to a contract. Uh, then we jump to SCU in Shanghai. They're doing like an American Idol bit, or I guess the reference is like X Factor now. Is that the big one, maybe? I don't know. America's Got Talent. Uh, so they're judging all of the OWE acts, uh, who we don't actually see, but SCU guys are not having it. Uh, Scorpio's doing the... Randy Jackson thing and same dog a lot. No, it wasn't Scorpio. Was it? Was it Kes? No, Scorpio. Forget it. Um, so we see a, a trio of OWE guys. Uh, did not recognize them, um, but they say Shanghai, China uncensored. They're the Chinese version of SCU. And this blows the SCU guys away. They think this is the greatest thing they've ever seen in pro wrestling. Uh, and, and these three are the guys that they decide, you know, have got the talent because basically they, uh, you know, paid tribute to the SCU act. Yeah, the only one that I recognized out of the SEU bit was Rekka, who used to be in DDT. But yeah, I thought this was a funny bit. 
Yeah, this was this was a, a funny premise where the editing didn't help it a whole lot. That you know, if you had, uh, you know, a genuine TV outfit putting this together, it would have been edited to hit the jokes uh, more firmly. All right, and then we've got the Bucks who are bar wrestling again. Uh, Matt gives somebody the phone because he wants them to shoot Matt's move that he is, you know, uh, trying out for the Lucha Brothers match at Double or Nothing. Uh, but as Matt goes through the move, the cameraman gets distracted by Joey Ryan's new T-shirt. So they point the camera down uh, and then Matt gets annoyed. You missed the big move. What, you know, he killed Brandon Cutler with the big death move. And we again have not seen it. This is just like, uh, you know, good little intrigue angle to to string something along. Hey, there's a big move and we want to see it. And they just keep teasing it and not showing it to us. Um, all right. Then we've got Adam Page, another workout segment here. So he's getting full gear ready. He's again, just chugging the secret stuff from Space Jam. Um Nick is watching this on his tablet and he is actually getting frightened by Adam getting bigger and skinnier at the same time. Uh, they actually did like a funny thing where he pulled a Pepsi truck with a, a, a rope, um, like an old strongman bit on, you know, ESPN's world's strongest men or something. Uh, and then they pull, do a zoom out on this and, and show us a bunch of clips and that they're all really hammering the secret stuff angle here that he's really drinking this hard. Um, Paige did a tweet earlier about how he's feeling like super aggressive and fired up and he doesn't know why. So, you know, definitely, uh, building towards something here that he's got the Michael Jordan's roid rage or something. Um, but yeah, good little segment. And now we get the go. All you. I was going to say my only thing here, and I said this earlier, uh, you know, in an earlier episode is like. You can tell from looking at Hangman in a shirt that he's not going to be like outrageously bigger than he used to be, right? So I'm just I'm just not sure what the payoff's going to be here. No, that's why that's why you keep watching, I guess. I guess so. I'm just frustrated that he did not work out in boots like last week. I like that bit. All right, the uh, time we get the payoff to the Bucks segment at Bar Wrestling. Um, you know they say they're. There, they uh, they congratulate Joey on getting out of his lifetime contract with LU, previously established on BTE, um, was that, you know, Joey couldn't be signed because he had signed a lifetime contract with Lucha Underground and he hadn't had a lawyer read it. Um, and, you know, but they congratulate him on that. They say, hey, you know, you also got your groove back. You can defend yourself. You know, you don't need that old blonde tag team partner you used to have. Um, Joey takes the mic. He says, oh, you know, I, I've actually got uh, multiple offers and I can't just agree to the contract. You know, I've actually learned my lesson. I actually have to have people, a lawyer, read my contract before I agree to anything. Uh, but Matt says, oh, you know, Jesus is awkward. Uh, we weren't actually here to sign you, Joey. And they turn around and Rick Knox, the referee, is standing in the other corner. And they're there to sign Rick Knox. Uh, this is, again, like a, a good, like sweet and cute segment that this show is pretty good at doing from time to time. Um, and you see like, you know, oh, very nice moment where this guy – you know, they even they 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 put a point on it that you know you can quit your day job and you can do this, you know, at double or nothing and going forward and and have this be your full time career. Uh, and you know, Rick Knox has a emotional moment. Crowd loves it. They're going wild. Uh, so this is where we see that Rick Knox is getting signed. So two things on this. One, the funniest part of this segment is there's a a woman in the corner behind Rick Knox, and when they turn around to face him and like make it clear that they're trying to sign him. She just starts chanting, Rick, no, Rick, no. Very good. I really enjoyed it. And apparently only me, but that's fine. Uh, second point, 
is that this was another example of the Bucks doing that like vaguely humble but obviously bragging <laughs> thing where yeah. they're like, Rick, we're going to let you quit your day job, buddy. But like trying to seem like they're all nice, but really they're just saying like, we got all this money to throw around. Very funny. Yeah. I I know you mean there. Um, I did. I'm, I do remember seeing the girl in the corner when they spun to Rick Knox. And when I saw her, I was like, that looks like the girl who cried when Chuck Taylor beat Zack Sabre for the PWG world title. I would say like 70% chance, same girl. Cause uh, that was, that was a, uh, Something that uh, was notable to me after that match was like, oh, yeah, that girl felt it. I'm with her. All right. Um, The BTE mailbag. This is a new segment where they were soliciting questions on Twitter for, you know, them to answer some questions on the show here. Um, They start off with Matt Jackson. They ask him, you know, uh, I I didn't write down what they asked him. Uh, But the the question is basically, you know, where did we get the name Ali Wrestling? Uh, Who came up with it? Matt says, oh, it was a team collaboration between everybody. Um, it was originally going to be world's best wrestling. And then, oh, you know, they, <laughs> they got the elite brand in there and it was going to be world elite wrestling or something. And then they got the all in brand there. So it's all elite wrestling. Um, so a little factoid. They're all bad, but world's best wrestling is like the worst possible thing they could have come up with. That sounds like a tape you buy at, uh, Sam Goodies, that's just random matches that comes into public domain. You know what I'm talking about, AB? It was, when it's like eight matches from uh, Universal and then a couple of matches from whatever they used to run. Uh, oh, Global Wrestling that used to run on ESPN. That's what that reminded me of. So, yeah, AEW, the, the least bad option there. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, then we go to Kenny. Um, somebody asked him about his theme music. Uh, he does reveal that he's going to get new theme music. Um, uh, I reveal here that I didn't realize. I know when he was in DDT and made his original junior appearance in New Japan that he had a, a Mega Man Dr. Wily remix. Uh, but that was apparently an official remix done by the Capcom sound team for him. Who knew? I did not. Um, so that's kind of uh, something of note. Um, the He says, you know, he, you know he's, he's collaborated with someone for something new that is going to embrace the DDT phase of his career without leaving the devil skies cleaner era behind. Um, and, uh, you know, as with uh, Capcom doing his song for him, um, we, you know, he used a uh, Toby Fox song from undertale for Russell kingdom. I would uh, be not surprised if he had another Toby Fox track for his new theme here. All right. Uh, somebody asked what they should name their new AEW you know, craft brew or micro brew or home brew. Um, Adam Page says he's the only one that drinks beer, so he's going to take this one. Uh, he says AEW executive vice porter. I think that's the best idea of his. Uh, but he also proposes SCU brew or the full beer challenge. Yeah, the, the, those were actually pretty craft beery names out of them. So, yeah, he's uh, he's definitely been to some uh, some some breweries, you know, yeah. there and uh, in rural Virginia or wherever. Aaron Creek. Yep. Aaron Creek. Yeah. It's, it's a hokey country. All right. Uh, Kenny, he reveals the Joshi match that we already discussed. Um, and then we get another uh, genuinely funny segment here. The Bucks call up the best friends and they're going to confront him about what we saw on last week's BT, which was uh, their tape threat to kill the Bucks families unless they get out of the Battle Royale. <laughs> um, it's funny when you say it that way. Well, that's what it was. 
it's why again the the premises here are uh, you know uh, are often a little stronger than the execution because it's like a you know homemade thing all right um trent they so they call up trent he's like sitting at a table and just like taping something together comically like there's no telling what it is he's just wrapping something in tape just an um, weird there. Yeah, that they could put Trent on every episode of this show, and it would uh, reliably be funnier because he's funny. Um, I also was like looking at the books uh, on his wall behind him. A lot of Stephen King, a lot of comics. There was a Murakami. There was a Hot Young Briley's self help book was back there. I noted. Was there a Murakami? Yeah, there, there was, was a Murakami. Yeah. I I don't know how I feel that my other than the Murakami, my book collection at age seventeen eerily similar to the book collection that Trent Beretta has in his 30s. I don't know how I feel about that. I guess the Murakami one might have surprised me the most, but since I didn't see that one, it was the Sebastian Younger. That book. one I did not see. I did not see that one. It was like his his last book. I think it was called Tribe. And uh, I never, I didn't read it, but I, I looked it up on Amazon after trying to figure out what it was. Uh, that was the one that caught me most by surprise. I, I'm just surprised that Trent's such a reader. A little surprising. I mean, uh, <laughs> our uh, perception of Trent is like, you know, uh, kind of a is, is is he a hembo? Is Trent a hembo? It's too weird to be a hembo, right? He's too like off the beaten path. Yeah, yeah, I would say. Yeah, so. okay, but you know, like listen to Russell Spanny and their Trent facts or whatever about just like <laughs> silly things where he has struggles to exist in the world. Yeah, um, people and have has... kind of. I mean, maybe thrust upon him this like idea that he's just really dumb and that it's kind of funny that he's dumb right uh, and i'm not sure that like being a huge uh stephen king fan makes you not dumb <laughs> but <laughs> murakami maybe yeah but interesting that he's a big reader yeah but and uh no no jordan b peterson there so again trent yes. is trent is renewed um yes. yeah he, he was funny here he did have a lot of frank miller comics there though hmm. well i'll allow it because uh clearly just a comic guy you know all right. Uh, so Trent is taping something together um, and the Bucks say, hey, you know, uh, we got your message. Uh, and they uh, spend a little FaceTime phone here and they reveal all of the children in the family who are presumably the children that Chuck was threatening to kill in their message last week. Uh, so this is a funny reveal. Um, and then so they say, all right, so we're going to give you what you want, Trent. Uh, they cut the graphic in revealing the best friends versus uh, Evans and a Helico match. Uh, and then Trent reacts to it as if he was just showed it. Uh, it's just a funny little fourth wall thing. Um, also a little funny here was like <laughs> the kids got a little bored sitting on the bed the second time when they cut back to them. It's like, okay, we did the joke. Now we're just waiting for, you know, our uncles to finish filming this bit. Um, so then they announce this match. Trent, uh, you know, they zoom in on Trent. He pulls up his pack of cigarettes starts smoking in an evil fashion and like vaguely vibrating again. So that was BT. Good stuff. Good episode. Strong episode. Whoa. Some light storming the, uh, the Bentley estate. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, I keep forgetting to remind everyone about this. I forget to remind transcribing elite, which is a little project started by a real friend of the show, Skeech 101 on Twitter. You can check it out on Twitter, transcribing at transcribing e, or on Patreon, patreon.com slash transcribing elite. The idea is to provide a transcription of being the elite each week for people who have uh, difficulties hearing. So go there, donate to the Patreon, 
follow on Twitter and just support it generally. I need to donate to the Patreon. I keep forgetting to do that. And so I'm going to do that this week. And I hope everyone else will also. Lastly, uh, we'll just, you know, talking about next week, we are going to be coming with the preview of Double or Nothing. I think we're planning to maybe come out a day early. So maybe Wednesday we'll be dropping our preview of Double or Nothing. Mm -hmm. Looking for Wednesday. Get you ready for Double or Nothing. Because we got to get uh, Mike's heading to Vegas, so we got to get him out of here and uh, make sure we get everything done before before then. Yeah, and while I'm in Vegas, there's a chance there might be some really cool stuff coming in the Everything Elite uh, RSS feed. So keep your eye on that. I have some yeah. stuff. There'll be some neat stuff. Yeah, so that's exciting. All right, anything else you guys want to talk about before we head out? I, I got nothing, buddy. Nope, nothing. Okay, well. Make sure you're following us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. You can find me at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. And like Mike was, Mike was just talking about, make sure that you're subscribed to our RSS feed, either through our individual feed or through the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, because it's going to be a lot of cool stuff, hopefully. We'll see how it all pans out, but we're planning to have some cool stuff for you all from Vegas. So we'll see how that goes. So if you're subscribed, you'll get it as it drops. Other than that, we'll be back next week for a preview of Double or Nothing. Hopefully no other big news so we can just break down the card. And then, folks, we're about to watch some wrestling. Everybody other than Nate is very excited. All right. I think that's it for Mike, for Nate. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. Music and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.